Welcome to the Podcast of Podcasts, a podcast that takes a moment to talk to podcasters about podcasting. The music for the intro is Funkers by Crowander, and it's provided under the Creative Commons content license. My guest today is Dr. Ryan Weber. Dr. Weber is an associate professor and the director of the business and technical writing program at the University of Alabama in Huntsville. As with all of our guests here on the show, Dr. Weber also hosts a podcast, and it is that activity that brings us together today. Okay, so good afternoon, Dr. Weber. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, In fact, you get to be the inaugural guest. This is exciting. I've never been a guest on someone else's thing before, so I kind of get to see how it feels. What is your podcast called, and uh, what is the format and the aim of the show? Sure. So the podcast is called 10 Minute Techcom, and the format is an interview podcast. So I interview experts in technical communication. So that might be scholars of technical communication who have recently published a book or an article, might be people who work as technical communicators at Facebook or Twitter, or um, I think I had a uh, Uber person a while ago. Um, Or it might be people who are sort of experts out in the field, people who do a lot of single sourcing or things like that. So yeah, it tends to be an interview show with really a focus on the interviews. So, and then what sort of an audience is that for? So my goal is to have kind of three audiences. One is um, people like myself who teach technical communication. Uh, Two is people who are out in the field practicing technical communication. So, you know, maybe you work as a technical communicator, maybe you wanna get into technical communication, And then the third is students. I know some people use this in the classroom. So maybe um, your teacher assigned you an article and then I have an interview with the person who wrote that article. So it's a compliment or something like that. And so I really try to meet the needs of all those audiences. And so sort of the two rules that I give guests are kind of no academic inside baseball. So no, you know, not a lot of talk about teaching and pedagogy, not a lot of talk about administration, um, and then also no real high-level theory. So if you have one or two theoretical terms that you need to use to explain your argument, that's fine. But I don't want an interview that's like, well, you know, as Foucault responded to Derrida, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't want that because then it's not meeting the needs of all the audiences. Right. Excellent. So then where can we find that show? Uh, it's, uh, it's all over where you get your podcasts. So iTunes, uh, Stitcher is one of the hosts. I think it's on Spotify. It's Podcast Bean. There's a bunch of them. Um, so usually I always de- listen to stuff through Apple, the Apple Podcasts app. So I know it's there, and I think it's quite a few other places as well. Well, what that brings me to another question. Mm-hmm. Um, why podcasts? Um, what are the reasons you began podcasting and this podcast in particular? Sure. So I have really liked listening to podcasts for, oh, at least a decade, probably more. Um, and I find podcasts are great because they can kind of fill the time that you can't read. You know, you can't drive and read a book or lift weights and read a book or walk the dog and read a book, but you can listen to podcasts. And so it's really an exciting way to kind of fill up time that uh, might otherwise just 
you can, you can devote a little more time to learning or entertainment or whatever. So that's one of the things that I like about podcasts. Um, and I noticed, so I started this in, I think 2014. And at the time there really wasn't a show like this one around. Now there are, there are several good tech writing podcasts out there and several sort of adjacent shows, you know, that might interview some of the same people that I do. There's a few podcasts that are run by companies, a few that are run by other academics. So it's a pretty big um, sphere of podcasting now. But at the time, it seemed like there was a niche for this kind of a podcast. And as it's gone on, I think I've leaned a little bit more into sort of the academic or sort of expanding the borders of TechCom angle because so many people are doing such a good job of like, here's how you write technical documentation. Here's how you do project management. Like I feel like that kind of stuff is maybe covered a little bit better in other podcasts. And so I think I might have a little bit of freedom to get a little bit weirder or um, push the the borders a little bit more of what TechCom is. So out of all the people that you've interviewed, uh, who was your most memorable guest? Let's see. I've had a lot. I was thinking about this. This is a tough one because I've had a lot of guests that I've really enjoyed. Um, I had um, a rapper on once that was cool to tell. Again, that's kind of what I'm getting at, like thinking a little bit more about what TechCom might be. Um, and that went with a, a guy who had written an article about sort of TechCom and hip hop and DJs and, and how that functions as TechCom. So I interviewed him and then I interviewed a rapper kind of about his, who was local to Huntsville. He has since moved, but um, kind of about how he communicates. Um, I had a Spanish language episode that was interesting because I interviewed the guest and then they were simultaneously, inter not they were later interviewed by one of their grad students in Spanish. And that was really interesting to kind of have the person talk because it was about translation. So they talked about it, their translation work in two different languages, which I think is hopefully was an interesting thing, especially for people who could listen to both of the episodes. I'm not a Spanish speaker, so I could not. Mm. Um, and let's see, it's all, I always enjoy talking to people who are working tech writers, you know, again, Facebook, Southwest Airlines, um, Uber, that kind of thing, Amazon, because it gives me a sense of what's going on in the field. Um, the kind of it helps me keep my own teaching relevant, honestly, and make sure that my students are kind of learning things that are relevant and kind of in keeping with what's going on in the field. So I know that was a lot of people to mention, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the the most uh, top ten list, I think, maybe. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what kind of comments did you get when you started doing this, as opposed to the ones that you get now? So, when I looked at this question, my thought was really not many. I think that's both at the beginning and now. So I do get almost exclusively positive feedback, but it might be two things a year or something, you know, <laughs> so it's I've got a couple of iTunes reviews, you know, maybe two written iTunes reviews or something like that. If I see someone at a conference, they might say I like the podcast, I've gotten one or two emails about it over the course of the show, occasionally tweets or something. Um, and I think that's actually really the thing that I've learned um, with a lot of different kinds of content creation is that you often don't get a lot of feedback, you know, and that and that cultivating feedback is a skill all its own. So, for instance, if you're running a podcast where the reviews really matter, say for marketing or 
downloads or, or monetization purposes. You've really got to incentivize, you know, hey, the next three reviewers are going to get a shout out or, you know, leave us a review in the next week to get a prize or, you know, send us tweet at us and, you know, one person's going to get a $5 gift card kind of thing. Um, because I think I, I the, the audience is fairly healthy for the show and it appears that people are listening to it but you don't always know kind of what their reactions are. And I think that's a really important thing for new media in general. I think a lot of people assume like, Hey, I'll put up this YouTube video or I'll put up this podcast or this social media content. And I'll just get a ton of feedback and you don't always. And of course, podcasting is tough because there's not even the passive sort of like, well, I can like this, you know, Facebook thumbs up, thumbs down, YouTube thumbs up, thumbs down kind of thing or you know, retweeting a tweet or something like that. So it's hard to get a sense of what people are responding to exactly. It kind of reminds me of uh, the the divisions of writing that Peter Elbow, Elbow uses. And mm -hmm. some, sometimes you just don't get anything and it feels like it's yeah. going away out into the void. Mm -hmm. that, that's exactly right. And that's exactly right. And again, I, I want to emphasize that sort of there are several skills involved in podcasting, one of which is making a podcast and one of which is marketing and engaging the audience of that podcast. And those two things are not entirely the same. Also there, I, do you hear birds chirping? I do. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> there are birds chirping outside. I hope that's not too distracting. Yeah. No, it's very, very natural. In fact. <laughs> um, so if you were to uh, have your dream guest on your uh, podcast show, who would that mm -hmm. be and why? Okay, so again, I thought about this, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to give just one answer. There are a lot of dream guests that I have. One, I'd really like to have someone on who, say, has written like a recent pretty popular like science or tech book. You know, I think that would be a lot of fun, like something that um, was like a fairly popular, you know, there was the Lab Girl book a few years ago or the Secret Life of Trees or the Octopus book. You know, something like that where it's like, you know, where there might be like a crossover audience. I think there's several octopus books actually that are out these days. Um, something that would have sort of a crossover audience view on. So like, oh, I'd like to hear what this person has to say, you know, because the model of my show has always been kind of inspired by like fresh air on NPR where Terry Gross is yeah. like, she interviews a bunch of different people. Here's what they have, have to say. Um, and she talks to authors a lot. And I think that's always interesting to talk to people about their writing and their writing process. I'd like to do more of the um, multilingual episodes, but that entails someone else doing a whole bunch of work because someone else has to interview and potentially edit the episode that I can't understand. So that's why there hasn't been a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I would say sort of those two things are sort of like big, big picture um, ideas for shows that I'd like to do. Cool. Now, some of the practical questions that I mm -hmm. have. Um, the equipment that you started with, what did mm -hmm. you start with? So I started with uh, microphone-wise, I'm pretty sure I started with a blue snowball mic. And so this is where... So I have had terrible luck with blue products, and everyone else loves them. So my comments about blue products should not be representative of <laughs> whether you should get it or not, because I have gotten a Snowball and two Yetis, and they have all broken in the same way, which is the part where the cord plugs, the USB cord plugs in has broken. Um, mm -hmm. 
And so I don't buy them anymore. I don't know if it's me and the way I'm handling them, but I just decided after a certain point, I just wasn't going to buy those anymore. So I now use the, the mic I use for this podcast is a Fafine microphone and it seems to work fine. Honestly, I think the Yeti sounded pretty good. I was just tired of them breaking. Um, mm -hmm. And then for editing purposes, I use um, uh, Audacity, which is a free program, which is real easy to use the basic features. There are a lot of features that I would like to learn how to use and a lot of buttons in there where I don't even know what it does. <laughs> and I would love to learn what it does, um, but uh, it gets the job done. Again, it's, it's a nice sound editor for, for free. Um, and then I host the podcast on a host called Podcast Machine, but I am not crazy about that host. Um, and that actually is something that eventually I'd like to change. It doesn't give you um, very good geographic data, for instance, um, and really good metrics for your audience engagement like some of the others do, um, like uh, Megaphone and Buzzsprout give you much better information about where your audience is coming from specifically, what search terms they're using to find you. And so that's another part of that audience engagement um, that I'm kind of missing is some of that metadata about the show that can be really helpful. Sure. If you can't, you know, get feedback from them, you can at least tell who's listening that way. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Figure out where to target, put up billboards in Omaha, Nebraska or <laughs> exactly. whatever. Yeah. So then, um, okay, let's shift back to, uh, um, theory, I guess, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts about the oral mode of communication itself and its place in technical and business writing? Okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And I think one of the advantages of especially the podcast format, like I said, is especially with a shorter podcast. And, and part of the reason my podcast is short is because I didn't want to edit long podcasts. Um, so that's part of it. But also keeping it short means, well, you can listen to it on your 10 minute walk or whatever. And I think that something that is happening with podcasts is that you can use it to kind of bridge the academy industry divide if you do it right, you know, because there are there's a lot of technical writers in the field who are out there working at you know, a company down the street or at Amazon. And then there's a lot of people like you and I who teach tech writing. And the complaint has always been that we don't talk to each other that much. And I think this is one way where you can have conversations that, you know, people might be equally interested in, hopefully, if I'm doing my job right, in instructors and practitioners. And I think the oral medium is also good because, well, it's free. You know, the one of the problems with or it's free if you have a $1,000 iPhone, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the problems with a lot of academic publishing is, well, I'm sure maybe practitioners would want to read it, but it's behind you know, a paywall um, or it requires a subscription or whatever. Um, and so I think that it's one good way to reach maybe a different, slightly different audience than we're reaching through sort of our more traditional publishing venues. Um, and I also think podcasting is neat because, again, it does, it, there are startup costs. And so it's not totally equitable, but it's more equitable than having a TV show or <laughs> making a movie or whatever, which is why you see, you know, um, in the broader podcast marketplace, you know, um, famous people, actors have podcasts and your neighbor has a podcast and you can get them both on iTunes and right. listen to both of them. And so there is, 
to some extent a democratizing effect of podcasts and audio in that way. I do like that idea of uh, bridging the gap and also the idea of that portability Mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of an asynchronous communication, if you will. Right. Um, so people can take it with them and, you know, keep it until they're ready to listen to the exactly, conversation. Exactly. Yeah. It's really on demand and it's nice, you know, you can listen to it while you're doing all kinds of other things. And so, but you also have to factor that in. That's, you know, again, one of the reasons why the podcast probably shouldn't be as dense as a text is because I don't know a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm going to sit down and listen to this podcast. Memorize. Fire, <laughs> right. In the same way that they're going to sit down and listen to or, or read a book by the fire right. that the book is getting a hundred percent of your attention. The podcast is getting 50 to 70. I don't know. So you have to remember that as you're producing it is your audience is doing other things as well. And of course we have to mention um, the accessibility issues, which I have been bad about. You know, I finally got transcripts up of the first 50 episodes really just about a month ago. But of course, if you are um, hard of hearing or have hearing issues, um, you know, the podcast medium is not particularly accessible to you. Um, And so there are people who are missing out on that um, if there's not proper accessibility put in place. And that's something that I have been very slow to do. I think that's also a relatively new push as well uh, in the world to make things more accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, what advice would you have, kind of a segue maybe, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, what advice would you have for new podcasters just starting Mm -hmm. out? Okay. Um, Podcasts are very hard to keep sustainable. And so if you really want it, if you're like, you know, if you just want to, I'm making a podcast episode so my friends can listen to it, fine. But if you're like, okay, I really want, this is going to be a gaming podcast and I'm going to put it out once a week and it's going to be an hour and a half and it's going to have four guests. It's not, you're not going to, unless that's your job, it's not going to happen. You know, so you really have to find a way to, if you want it to be a long-term project to make it sustainable. And again, for me, that has meant short episodes that, you know, it still takes a couple hours to edit, you know, 10 minutes of audio. So, but if you were thinking it's an hour of audio, you know, that's, that's quite a bit more. Um, and the pace of it as well, you know, make sure that you have a sustainable pace so that your audience kind of knows when to expect my show is kind of sort of put out once a month or maybe every two months, you know, but it doesn't, it would be nice. I think if it was like on the first of every month, this show comes out and people know it's going to happen. That's also much better for your um, SEO and findability and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, really finding a way to keep it sustainable, I think is one of the biggest um, hurdles because a lot of people are like, okay, they produce one great one. And then it's like, boy, that was a lot of work. And I have another job and a family and friends and other passions. So it's just not necessarily, you know, or, you know, if it's something where you have to do a lot of research, you know, I really like that podcast you're wrong about. It's a new podcast, but you know, when you listen to it, they'll say things like, okay, we've got 189 pages of notes for this (laughs) most recent episode, you know, and, and it's kind of their job. So that's fine. But if you're just a person, you know, they're just sort of like, um, amateur historians who put out episodes once a week. I'm like, this one's about the Great Wall of China and the next one's about, you know, the Vietnam War. And I have no idea how they're doing all that research in a sustainable way and doing it well. So, 
Right. So then um, to, to sum up your advice, it would be to find a way to make it sustainable and to plan, always be thinking ahead. Yes. Yep. To the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And would that be the same advice that you would go back in time and give to your pre-podcasting self? Or do you have another thing that you would like to say? No, the advice I would give to my pre-podcasting self would be very, very specific things about because one of the hardest things about podcasting that I still have not cracked is really making it sound good like really making it sound great you know because so for instance in this one you know you've you've got the wind in the background and a bird in the background of my my thing um and so you know unless you have a studio with a mic for every participant and those like weird foam on the walls that me it makes that it's it can sound okay but it's that is where the money you can tell the difference between you know stuff that was made by npr and stuff that was made by like your friends in their basement um yeah so getting it so i would give advice like making sure everybody's wearing headphones using zencaster which we're using now which splits the audio tracks into some specific audacity hacks about noise reduction and that kind of thing so i know that's not super exciting but so that really mm-hmm. is it's the learning of kind of the technical elements of um how to make it sound as good as you can and i hope in 10 more years if i'm still doing this that i could give my current self advice on how to make it sound better so those are all things that you know now due to trial and error yes correct yep and doing a little bit of research on how to make things sound a little better Okay. Um, I think we only have a couple more questions here. And this one is really important to me. I'm interested in this one. And I think my students might be interested in this one too. How important is file organization to a content creator? Uh, Extremely important. Um, And uh, all, you know, I saw it as organization. So we'll, um, we'll take it even bigger. Yeah. File organization is really important because you know, people may not realize this, but when you generate um, a podcast, your computer kind of produces all these additional files. So I found like all the time, I'm like, why is my computer full? And it's because there's all these data files associated with um, with your podcast and then they, they can get lost. You know, so your computer is generating files that can then get lost or they can clog up your computer. So it's not even just the human. Obviously you want to make sure that say, you're naming all your files in a clear and consistent way, storing them all in a consistent place, you know, that you know where to find everything that you don't lose the, uh, you know, you and I were talking about this at the beginning, you know, this Zencaster is going to record two audio channels. You have to make sure you grab both of those before I hang up this call <laughs> so that you can have everything that you need, because there's nothing worse. I've had to do this a couple of times. There's nothing worse than having to ask somebody to have to record again. Um, oh, I always, right. I've done it a couple of times and I really dislike it cause it really feels like a waste of their time. Um, and I haven't done it in a long time, but, um, yeah, so it's really making sure you know where everything is, especially if say you have multiple guests, I've done a couple of those and they're very hard where say it's going to shuffle between, okay, interview comment from person one interview comment from person two. You know, if you're doing a podcast like that, you really need to stay on top of it and have a really good script because, you know, if you listen to something like 99% Invisible or Radio Lab, those are really produced podcasts. You know, my podcast is just pointing a microphone at somebody 
and recording what they say. But if you're going to get down to, okay, here's a sound effect of Berlin traffic. And then here's, you know, this expert from Berlin is talking and here insert clip B here. I mean, then you're really, really getting into organization and editing that needs to be very precise. You might even um, need so a yeah, really naming, and... yeah, naming and keeping everything clear. And then also keeping track of what your computer is doing in creating and organizing files because you will find that it's going to do a bunch of work on its own. <laughs> and then you may, but also you may delete some stuff and then you may open your audacity and it may say files are missing. We can't find, and you don't understand why, because it's like, well, I have, here's my, you know, track of this person talking, but the computer created a bunch of new things and you've got to keep track of those too. Indeed. Well, um, I would like to thank you first of all for, for agreeing to do this and being on the podcast today. Um, do you have anything that you would like to add? Um, not really. I just, again, it's, I have a lot of fun. The thing I like most about this is getting to talk to really interesting people who are smarter than me. Um, and I, I really like the interview format. I hate having to record the little part at the beginning. That's just me talking. That I think is something that people will find weird too is part of podcasting is kind of talking to nobody. <laughs> you know, if you're in, in that's a really strange feeling and some people are better at it than others. You know, you'll listen to podcasts where it's a single host and they can really pull it off. And in fact, I listened to one today that was a little bit more amateur, just about a subject I was interested in. And the host was not that great at talking to himself. So um, that's, it's a strange feeling and it is um, something some people are good at. I'm not good at it. So you'll notice those intros are very short. I can, I can echo that. Yeah. Making bumpers <laughs> is not all that fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, okay. Um, thank you very much then for showing up today on the podcast of podcasts. 